TKM Incorporated in Moss, Tennessee is a construction company that specializes in erosion control, seeding, and soil, hydro seeding, hydro mulch, minor excavation, and silt fence. They also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their business is keeping people safe, but their passion, their mission, is they wish that all men could be saved. TKM has adopted the nickname, The King's Men, because as they serve you, they also serve the King. If they could provide any of their services for you, please contact them at 931-243-3958. That is 931-243-3958. Or you can contact them on the net at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. TKM Incorporated is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include but are not limited to road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. It was March the 16th, 2018, and we were hiking off Mount Yona. Mount Yona is a little mountain in the Chattahoochee Oconee National Forest in Georgia. In the old days, the Georgians called it Yona Bald. It, it's mostly made out of granite. The, the Cherokee word for bear is Yona. Now, this little mountain rises about 3,166 feet in elevation. Uh, it stands out. Its prominence from the area around it is about 1,556 feet. Uh, the trail going up to Mount Yona is about 2.3 miles, and it gains about 1,500 feet in elevation. Uh, if you do the whole thing, it's about a four-hour round trip. We went over on March the 15th and went halfway up. Now, we drove over midday, and we stopped and, and went halfway up to the, the mid-area climbing. And there's some nice climbing there. Uh, there's some bolted routes. There's some belay cables that are put in. Uh Mount Yona is the site of the 5th Ranger Training Battalion. It's where they conduct the mountain phase of ranger school. And we'd heard about it, so we took a day trip, and then we're going to spend the night in Helen, Georgia, and then do some climbing. Well, we climbed on, on the 15th, but on the 16th, we went all the way to the top. Now, after walking the two almost two-and-a-half-mile trail in that 1,500 feet of elevation gain, and we weren't just walking it. We were walking it with our climbing stuff. So you've got a backpack, 
Inside the backpack is your harness and all of the gear that you'd use if you were doing traditional climbing. So we've got a lot of aluminum gear, chocks and stoppers and camming devices. And then on top of each of our backpacks, we've got a 50 or 60 meter rope. And so this normal, eh, mildly strenuous hike turns into pretty much of a slog as you're going up the side of this mountain. We've gotten to the top of this thing, and, and the climbing was, was not optimal. A lot of low-angle routes, that mean they were, they were at a slope. And, and it's a great place to learn to climb. It's a great place to learn about putting your balance over your feet. It's a great place to learn about putting uh, you know, your points of contact down. It's a great place to learn to place pro. It's a great place to learn to belay. It's a great place to learn to top rope. But we were looking for a little more adventure. We're looking for something a little more challenging. and and we got to the top of this thing and it was, it was pretty disappointing. A uh, couple of the routes that we would have climbed had some seepage. And, and so there was a lot of water coming off of the thing. And, and after slogging up this mountain, you know, we basically decided, ah, we're not going to climb. And that was a beautiful day and a beautiful hike. And we saw some beautiful views, but we decided, you know, Troy hates to friction climb. I've done some good friction climbs. I did a, a really nice one in Garden of the Gods. And then I did uh, the Nose of Looking Glass in North Carolina, which is primarily a friction climb. But Troy doesn't enjoy that kind of climbing. And so we just decided not to climb. And, and you know, we don't always have to climb. Sometimes it's just about hanging out with each other. Uh, and so we're hiking back off Mount Yona. Now, this is, you know, if you don't count the exploration that we've done, this is a four-hour walk. And so here we come hiking off this mountain, and the sun's going down, and it's not dark, but it's going to get dark pretty quick. And, and there's very few people on the trail. And as we get on this flat area in those big Georgia hardwoods and pines, we see this lone figure walking up the trail. And, and, and he's by himself. And he, he's wearing, you know, work pants and a button-up shirt. And he got a walking stick. And he's wearing all leather boots, the leather combat boots like my dad would have worn when he was in the National Guard. So we stopped and talked to the old gentleman. His name was Morris Biggers. And as we began to talk with him, we found out he was 83 years old. His wife is bedridden, and she was at home. And he says he had a doctor's appointment on Monday. And he had come out to climb Mount Yona. He says he climbs it every year, goes to the top every year. And that way he can tell his doctor, I can still climb the mountain. And, and we visited with this old gentleman. And in my estimation, he was unprepared to climb. He was unprepared to make this hike. So I reached around to the back of my backpack and pulled out my last remaining water and said, why don't you please take this? Because this is a hot day. And, uh, you know, we're in pretty good shape and, and we're exhausted. And I don't want you to get halfway up this mountain and not have anything to drink. And, and he tried to, to demure, but, but he took the water. And we visited a little bit longer and, and, then, and then we left. Well, as we drove out, we saw a sign for Morris Biggers Road. And I told Troy, I said, you know, I said, I bet that's where that old gentleman lives. And then I made another observation. I said, you know, you know why he's out here walking up Mount Yana by himself at 83 years old? Troy said, no, I have no idea. I said, because most of his friends are dead. He's 83 years old. He's probably outlived everybody that he knows. And his poor little wife is, is bedridden. I, we got home and finished, you know, our, our weekend adventure. And 
I decided to make this old man a little gift. I, I made one of my 550 guys, made made him a little rope man. And I got a piece of driftwood out of my collection, and I polished it off and sanded it. And I drilled a couple of holes, and I attached this little man to it. And I made him a walking stick. And I put the walking stick in the little loop hand of the little rope man and, and, and drilled it into the uh, the driftwood and made him a little hacking guy. It looked like he was hacking up this trail on this driftwood. And, and then I wrote him a note. I told him I was going to be in the area speaking. I was going to be speaking in Cleveland. I was also going to be speaking in LJ and uh, invited him if he could at all possibly get away to come out and to listen to one of my presentations. And then I, I just added that, you know, hey, I'm a Christian. And we were so pleasant meeting him. And, and I just, you know, I said, I'm going to just be bold. And, and I asked him about his salvation. I asked him, was he a Christian? I asked him, had he been saved? And, and so I put that in the letter and I called the, the post office there in, in the, the little town. And I said, look, I'm, I'm trying to find an address for Morris Biggers. And the lady said, I can't give you the address of anybody that, you know, that's uh, something that the post office doesn't do. Uh, and I told her, I said, well, we met this old fellow walking up Mount Yona and I've got a little gift I want to send him. She laughed and said, well, we're a small town. And if you'll get it to this post office, and she gave me the address of the post office, she said, I believe we can find out where Morris Biggers lives. And of course, he lives on Morris Biggers Road. And so we sent the little package off. A couple of days later, I'm at the house and the phone rings and, and I enter the phone and this familiar voice says, well, I got a package in the mail today. And I said, well, that's that's good. He says, and, and as much as I appreciate the, the little doodad, I, I really appreciate the sentiment, too. Thanks for, for asking that question. And, and thanks for your, your sentiments about my well-being and my wife's well-being. And so we talked a little bit more. He said, now, 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 now let me get it. Let me get it straight. You're one of them rock climbing boys, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. I'm, I'm one of the rock climbing boys. He goes, and you're the heavy one. <laughs> yes. Yes, Mr. Biggers. I am indeed the heavy one. And he didn't mean anything by it. He wasn't insulting me. It's just when you're 83 years old, you can say anything you want to say. And he didn't hurt my feelings. It just entertained me. And I guess, you know, when you compare me to Troy, I am the heavy one. If you look at my height and then you look at my weight, I'm, I'm you know, I walk around around 180 pounds and I might have been carrying a little more, you know, my winter weight in the early spring of 2018. And, you know, I probably fit into a size 46 short jacket and Troy probably wears a 35. And so, yeah, I could see how Mr. Biggers would differentiate between the two of us and I would end up being the heavy one. Um, I'm, I'm not offended by that. <laughs> just tickled me that at 83 you say stuff like that. When I had to do the the health screening for for our insurance at Jackie's school, you know, you go in there and, and they look at your height and they look at your weight and then you get those judging eyes from those nurses and they start explaining to you about the body mass index. And, you know, I said, well, listen, anybody who's worried about my health and, and my height versus my weight, then, then you send anybody you want to down here and I'll take them to my garage and we'll get on a wrestling mat and we'll see who's in shape that doesn't doesn't impress them at all they've got this little chart and at my height my weight should be 149 pounds 
in the last time I saw 149 was on a sign going to Memphis. Well, I went in for the last screening. This was the year that Jackie was going to retire, but we still had to go in person and do this little health screening. And I sit down with the little nurse and, and she puts on the, the blood pressure cuff and she puts a thing on the finger to check my pulse. And she goes through the questions, your name, your social security number, male, female, other. I looked at her. I said, other? She goes, well, you know, it's it's the, the modern times, and you could choose other. Well, I checked male, and then she said, now, how much do you weigh? I said, I weigh 180 pounds, and she said, and how tall are you? I looked her dead in the eye and said, 5'9". <laughs> she looked at me with those judging eyes. She looked up and down, and I just shrugged my shoulders. I said, if he can be an other... I can be 5'9". We just took care of that body mass index for you. But even though I fudged the identity of how tall I am, I'm, I'm still the heavy one. I wonder when people meet us, when people interact with us, when we do or we don't do for people, what labels they give us. Now, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that other people's words really only have the power that we give them, but I'm not talking about labels that, that offend us. I'm just talking about our behavior and how we how we stick in people's minds. We, we had this family when I was a little boy at church, and they had a little baby named Kelly Pogue. And, and Kelly had some kind of... Uh, special needs concerned. I think he may have had cystic fibrosis and something else going on. But my mom and dad would keep him sometimes. And and he was just sweet little kid. And uh, mom and dad would keep him on Sunday afternoon so that his parents could, could do things. And and I remember that, that at our house, when we got ready to go back to church that night, one of my parents helped him put his shoes on. And then one of my parents helped him eat green beans. And I, I get it confused whether it was dad or mom, but he called one of them shoes on and he called the other one green beans. And so when he would see them at church, he would yell shoes on or he would yell green beans. And it was because he remembered that. That was a significance in his little life that this is the man or the woman who helped me put my shoes on. This is the, the man or the woman who, who fed me the green beans. I wonder if the things that we do for people give them these labels for us. And rather than being the heavy one, I hope I'm the nice one. I hope I'm the kind one. I hope I'm the gentle one. I hope I'm the one who shares. I hope I'm the honest one. I hope I'm the polite one. I hope I'm the good one. Now, you get any of us on, on one of our bad days. You get any of us on one of our days when we're you know, not being careful. And we get those other labels, too. I, re I remember, and, and I always regret it, this, this young lady was, was coming all the way from Decatur, Alabama, to, to visit with me at my office. And she got mixed up on the direction or the time or the, there was just trouble with the traffic. And I'm sitting at the office waiting on her to come into the office for her appointment. And it, it's about, you know, 
15 minutes is left in the session and she calls and she's frantic and she's apologizing for not being able to find the office and she's being late. And I said, well, you need to just go home. I said, by the time you get here, your session is going to end it. I've got somebody that's going to come in right on the backside of it. I can't ask them to stay and miss their session because you missed yours and, and we'll just reschedule. No, no, no. I, I want to come and, and, and I want to use what time I have. And I said, there's no way we can have a meaningful conversation in the 10 or 15 minutes you have left. And I can't let you stay for the other person's session. And then when they get through leave, because I've got to leave immediately and go teach a Bible class. I'm obligated for that. You just need to reschedule. Well, she was insistent. She'd already driven all that way and, and she showed up at the office. Well, she showed up at the office. The other client showed up at the office and I let the person who had the appointment come in and I asked her to leave. When she was angry and she was frustrated and, and she was hurt. And and I know that that I'm the rude one. I'm the one who didn't have any time. I'm the one who wouldn't listen. I'm the one who didn't care. And then I have no excuse. I have no way to defend it. Those things are true. It's a first impression. It was an only impression. But I hate that's that's the impression. I did a thing the other night, and, and I'm very hesitant to talk about some of the things that I do with the police. But I was with them when, when they were serving a warrant. And it was a nighttime warrant, and... We were in the big black armored Bearcat, and, and they wear black armor and black helmets, and they have these ripstop or these Nomex hoods that protect their faces in case there's flames, or and then they have black weapons. And we rolled up on this house, and as they made a mechanical breach into the door, it, word came out and came on the radio that, that there were children present. And one of those guys walked out on that porch with this beautiful little girl, just a toddler. And I stepped off the truck and, and he handed her to me from the porch. And I, I walked out into the darkness with her and you could see in those big brown eyes that she was afraid. And she doesn't didn't know what was going on. And I, I really hope that she never remembers it. I hope that she's so young that, that this is something that feels like a dream to her. But I took my helmet off and I took my mask off. And I walked out under the streetlight with her and I sang to her. There's not a lot of things I've done that bother me more than that that night. Because I just think about this little girl's environment. And on this night, we were standing beyond the, the perimeter. We were standing outside the circle of men with guns and, and outside the flashing of the lights on the truck and outside the hustle and bustle of the narcotics team searching her house. And there I stood in the street with her held against my body armor and rocking back and forth and just singing. And I don't sing very well, and I don't have a good voice. But I know when I sing to Gage, he likes to feel the rumble in my chest, and it soothes him. And if she does remember anything from that night, I hope that she remembers feeling 
cared for. I hope she remembers feeling calm. And I really do hope she felt safe. She never cried in my arms. And eventually somebody that was related to her came up and, and we got her with family members. You know, our society talks a lot about identity. And, and people identify as this political party or that political party. We identify religiously and politically as conservative or liberal. People identify as this gender or that gender or there's a sexual orientation. And there, there, there's all kind of ways that we identify. I'm really less concerned in promoting and proclaiming how I identify and I'm much, much more interested in is my behavior good and is it authentic? You see, your self-image is how you see yourself. Your self-esteem is, is how you feel about what you see. And it's how you see yourself and how others see you. Do they match? Or is there a discrepancy in those two images? And you see, I'm, I'm really less concerned about how I identify and I'm more concerned about whether or not how I identify and is it congruous with how I am identified? And am I the kind one, the honest one, the gentle one, the soft one, the reliable one, the peaceful one, the one you can count on? What's your identity? And does it match the way that you would be identified when people interact with you? If how you see yourself and how other people see you don't match, if, if, if there's incongruence in that, then it's not that you have a problem with your identity. You have a problem with how you're identified. Using the tool of shortwave radio, World Christian Broadcasting literally covers the world every day with the gospel. They use two large curtain antennas. One is located in Anchor Point, Alaska, and the other in Madagascar. They send out messages that are recorded at their international home in Franklin, Tennessee. They make available 40 hours of broadcast every day. The broadcasts are made in English, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, English for Africa, and Arabic. They would love for your group to visit them. You can bring your ladies group, your youth group, or your men's group. Just give them a call at 615-371-8707, 615-371-8707, or you can go to three W's and a dot, worldchristian.org, find the donate here button, and make a financial contribution to support this work that literally covers the world every day with the gospel. World Christian Broadcasting, in cooperation with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. I am your host, Lonnie Jones. 
My wife Jackie and I moved to the city of Huntsville in 1986 for me to be a youth and family minister. I have been a minister since 1980. I have served in this community as a police chaplain assigned to a SWAT team since 1992. And I've been in private practice as a licensed professional counselor since 1998. I'm also an adventure educator and an avid outdoorsman. I dabble in rock climbing and I goof around with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Our life has been full of many wonderful experiences and some just outright adventures. I used to write about those things in a little church bulletin article. So now instead of asking you to read those things, we're just going to talk about them in our podcast. And as we talk about them, we're going to talk about the facts. The facts lead to concepts and the concepts lead to application. One caveat about the facts is for the most part, we're going to tell you the facts just as they happened. But every now and then, we're going to tell you the way other people have told us they remember it happening with a little bit of embellishment. It's all good, clean, fun, and for educational purposes. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy Keeping Up with Jones.